Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. A very long weekend. I was last on with you Wednesday. Thursday, Thanksgiving. Friday, we give everybody off here. Many of you, of course, were doing something else as well, but we still play best of Dennis Prager shows, which I think we could do. We're not going to, but I think we could do it half the time, and it would be beneficial. Most of what I say is not time-bound, even if it's utilizing an issue of the day. I wonder if your Thanksgiving was as meaningful as in past years. Undoubtedly, you have members of the family who believe that Thanksgiving is not only a myth, but a a an, Im- an immoral myth. So I'm I'd be curious to hear from you if that arose. In other words, was it the same as in pre-COVID years? Because many of you didn't even have a Thanksgiving during the lockdown period. I did. Both times, my whole my wife's whole family were with us and celebrated. So I have a great dilemma on Mondays, and especially so if there's been a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, five five days not being with you. So believe it or not, this one has really hit me. This is reported in Universe Sports. Have you ever heard of that? No. If you've never heard of it, it's not a well-known site. But it does provide the data. Stanford Band, at Stanford University, the band, stages controversial halftime skit during football game against BYU. A halftime performance during BYU football's visit to Stanford Saturday night is causing a stir on social media for its content lampooning Latter-day Saint beliefs. The Stanford University band mocked LDS Mormon beliefs. Why wouldn't they? They went to Stanford. Every elite university has at its core a contempt for every expression of Christianity. I I know that Many Christians do not deem Mormons theologically Christian. I, I have no desire to enter that issue, but it would be a little odd to deny that a church calling itself the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has no connection to Christianity. It certainly does to uh, the religion-hating folks at Stanford. They have to hate religion at elite universities because the competition for the world is between the left and the Judeo-Christian world. It's as simple as that. They're taught from a very young age that people who believe in God, let alone who have rituals, as Mormons do, as Orthodox Jews do, 
and to some extent Catholics, but not, not nearly as much as Mormons and Jews, uh, th these people are only worthy of contempt in their view. The Stanford Band staged a skit entitled, the word should be titled, but few people know that, Gay Chicken which involved a pair of women being married to each other with the officiator sorry about that with the officiator using terms and phrases taken from sacred temple ceremonies within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints this sounds to me I wonder if this is a uh, if this is a, a Mormon a Mormon site, because the, uh, the, the the Mormon Church is very careful now not to use the term Mormon. I don't know why they have a difficult time with it. Oh, I do I do know why they because they, they so want to emphasize that they are Christian. Anyway, that's a, an interesting but separate issue. Stanford just had a skit during halftime called Gay Chicken involving two women getting married for time and all eternity. That is the term that Mormons use. And then being told to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. As the tweeter Jackson Payne notes, I'm guessing it's no coincidence they did this against BYU. Several BYU fans in attendance Saturday told Universe Sports that they found the skit upsetting and rude for its inclusion of sacred temple themes. See, if you say that men do not give birth at Stanford, you are held in such contempt that you might lose your job if you're not a tenured professor, and if you are a student, you will be ostracized and condemned. But if you if you use terminology from the Mormon church uh, and use it to mock the church, that's fine. It's like the Book of Mormon, the famous Broadway play. The cowards who made the Book of Mormon would never have done the Book of the Quran. Never. They mock people who won't hurt them. That is the reason the left mocks Christians. They never mock Muslims. They know Christians won't hurt them. It's as simple as that. Cowardice is at the heart of leftism. Cowardice is at the heart of the university. If you're not a coward, you do not qualify as a dean or as a president of a university. Other fans were confused as to why Stanford administration would allow such a production at halftime when its own football program already has a number of Latter-day Saint ties. As five Cardinal, Cardinal are the Stanford players, are church members and serve full-time missions, included highly touted starting quarterback Tanner McKee. Stanford defensive coordinator Lass Anderson is a returned missionary as well. The skit comes less than three weeks following a statement issued by Stanford all right, that's a separate issue. Okay, anyway, just I, I thought I would begin with that because it's so symbolic of the cesspool that Stanford, Yale, Princeton, University of Pennsylvania have become. 
You send your child there because it's prestigious. And nothing brings a parent more prestige. I take it back. Nothing brings a parent as much prestige as the child attending a prestigious college. Parents live, very many parents live through their children. And that is the most important thing to many parents, to be able to say, my child is at or or will or just got accepted to or uh, just graduated from, notice I added from, it has finally worked the Julie corrections of me on our Dennis and Julie podcast. I've always said graduated without from. Now I, I'm back, not back, I'm finally at from. That's, that's a, by the way, that's a subject unto itself. Living through your child. For the record, and I said this at the time, I told my kids I didn't give a damn about their grades. And I didn't give a damn what college they went to, or for that matter, if they went to college. I only cared about their character. And so, if your kid is at Stanford and in the band and helped mock the Mormon church, you uh, you got what you, uh, you planned. A piece of crap who got into Stanford. Congratulations. I'm Dennis Prager. We return. Have I been right or have I been right all of my life with my saying, I love people and I have contempt for humanity? I got that right at a very early age. Yep. Yes, indeed, as I often say. So uh, Kanye West visited President Trump and he brought man named Nick Fuentes. I was not familiar with him prior to this. And my belief has always been that there is a special place in hell, and I believe in hell, for the people who deny the Holocaust. You have to be a particularly vile human being for your contempt for truth and your loathing of the Jews. I hesitate to even say that there is no more documented event of which I am aware than the Holocaust. You know, when I first heard that there were people who denied it happened, I remember a guy called my show and actually said that many, many years ago. And I didn't yell at him. All I said was, so... I assume that you'll uh, you'll call up a talk show now and say that uh, no slaves were uh, no slavery took place. That in fact the blacks came from Africa on cruise ships. He said, "No, no, no! I would never say that." I said, "Why not?" That's the same denying slavery is the same as denying the Holocaust. It's so, but but it's interesting. They don't deny slavery, so that's why it's clear to, it's clear that there's a hatred of Jews involved. But the hatred of truth is even more dangerous in some ways than the hatred of Jews. 
but the hatred of truth always leads to evil. That Kanye West brought this uh, lowlife, this vile creature to the uh, the White, uh, not the White House, the Mar-a-Lago, uh, is uh, doesn't speak well for Kanye West. That he even associates with Nick Fuentes gives you an idea of the low level to which he has sunk. Anti-Semitism is truly TNT, and everyone plays with it, ultimately gets burned. Look at Germany. Gets blown up. Gets blown up. That's correct. More precise. Here's Nick Fuentes. And I, I truly do believe that. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that there is a good God and that there is reward and punishment after this life. Because if God is good, there has to be. And you have uh, guaranteed yourself a, uh, a very difficult afterlife. When you, when you deny the most uh, organized evil... Uh, that we know of, the shipping of every Jew, well, two out of three Jews in Europe, to their deaths, the burial of them alive, the tortures, the medical experiments. I knew people who went through this. Did they make it up? So here is Nick Fuentes, the the human crap every generation produces a handful of truly good and a handful of truly evil people fuentes is in the latter category and again that kanye west brings this person to donald trump you would you would think that donald trump would have advisors who find out what guests anybody would bring Apparently he didn't. Kanye West has uh, has hurt the president and has hurt Candace Owens. He's a he's a piece of work. Here is uh, a a video of Nick Fuentes mocking the Holocaust and denying that that more than a few hundred thousand Jews were slaughtered. Max says, if I take one hour to cook a batch of cookies, and Cookie Monster has 15 ovens, working 24 hours a day, every day for five years, how long does it take Cookie Monster to make six million batches of cookies? So know. you That's all get that? Question. So the Jews are, <laughs> Jews are baked cookies. That's the analogy. You couldn't bake the six million cookies in five years. He, he has this... Uh, diabolic smile the whole time. I don't even need any more, Sean. And this is, uh, this is the type of human being that Kanye West regards as a friend, brought to the president as a, as a, uh, a lot of bad stuff out there, my friends. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Simon in Los Angeles. Hello. Yes, hi, Dennis. Hi. 
I'm a huge, huge fan of yours. I just want to say everything you do, from the uh, political to the happiness hour to male-female, just all the important subjects. Anyway, I I was calling because just a clarification, you were talking about the Book of Mormon and said the guys who made it would never attack uh, Islam, but that's not actually true. They're the guys who made uh, South Park, and they had an episode where they specifically poked fun at the prophet and got a lot of blowbacks for it. You're right, and that's why I took your call, and it's a, it's a correction worth noting. Uh, what I, I think, though, I, I, I specifically noted there would never be a Broadway show called The Book of the Quran. That, well, that, that's what I recall saying, and I still stand by that. Uh, to have an episode of South Park is very, is very different from a Broadway show. But uh, you're right, and I admire those guys for, for, for their courage in many, and in many instances. So thank you very much for, for the correction. But uh, the, uh, the general rule still remains. The left mocks Christianity. It does not mock Islam. That's because the left is cowardly, cowardly. And it all started with what the Stanford Band did. Stanford University banned at the Saturday night game against the Mormon University, BYU, Brigham Young University, where they, they had a mockery of the sacred vows taken in the temple when two Mormons marry. Uh, San Dimas, California, and Devin. Hello, Devin. Hi, Dennis. Honored to talk to you. Real quick, just a quick point. I've noticed when some people introduce you, they mention the New York Times bestseller, and I know I love your books. And, and you sold a bunch of them, and rightly so. But why even mention the New York Times? Or I, I call it the New York Slimes. They don't even get sports scores right for the past 15 years uh, compared to their whole history. It's just, it, why even give them any notoriety at all? Well, I never say it. I, I can't tell people who introduce me what to say. <laughs> I, I've never uh, okay. said I'm a New York Times bestselling writer. Any, and anything, okay. I, was, and anything, I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, okay. all right, so now That's you know. All right, now you know. Uh, it's a fraud, the New York Times bestseller list, in any event. And I pointed this out when, when my last uh, book, when my, fir- well, when my first volume, the first volume of my Bible commentary, the Rational Bible, came out. It was the book of Exodus. It was number two on Amazon, number one in nonfiction, the only book in the country that outsold it when it was published, was a, a fiction book. For a Bible commentary, it's it's almost unheard of, and uh, I wrote a, a column that how high it was. I think the Wall Street Journal a bestseller list at, at number two or three, a uh, number one in Publishers Weekly, which is monitors every book published, uh, every other list didn't even make the New York Times, and it, it was I so caught them lying that they actually tweeted a reaction to me so and and their argument is we don't tell people how we come to make our list what kind of excuse is that you don't tell people how you come to make your list your list is a fraud it so often doesn't include like mine a religious book especially a religious conservative book Sometimes conservatives make it. Sometimes they don't. I have no. I have no interest. The New York Times bestseller list is as interesting to me as that your kid went to Stanford. 
which uh, is relevant here. Jim in Detroit, hello. Hello, Dennis. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Um, I uh, am a product of a blue-collar family. I became a physician, and my son uh, I sent to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, and Catholic university. He ended up getting it. I'm sorry, the Catholic university or a Catholic university? University of Detroit. Okay. Catholic Jesuit Jesuit school. Uh Anyhow, he uh, was lucky enough to get a job at NASA, and then NASA paid for his master's degree at Stanford. Up until he went to Stanford, he was going to Mass at U of D. And um, ever since Stanford, there's absolutely no religious mm-hmm. interest and or affiliation. I think he's Hold on with me. I, 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 I actually want to talk to you about this. Hi, everybody. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I did. But I, I didn't miss any over the lockdowns. I never say over COVID. The lockdowns were the issue. So it it was wonderful, but not a relief to finally have it again. I had a Thanksgiving with family. My wife's family, my family is in the East, and I don't think they would have gotten together, at least in 2020. But her family is more conservative and would uh, did get together. So we were together Thanksgiving 2020, 2021, and now 2022. We believe in Thanksgiving. We believe that a day of thanks commemorating the founding of this country, the, the people who were basically ignorant of history, oh, America was founded on violence, hmm, and tell me what country was not, what country was not founded on violence, people move to other places, people don't want them to move there, and they fight. That is the history of the world. Hopefully it is coming to an end, and people will honor boundaries and frontiers, but that that is true everywhere. Did Indian tribes not fight other Indian tribes? Did, did white people, did Europeans come to a continent of pacifists? The, the issue is hatred of America. The issue isn't historical truth. Talking about truth, so listen to this. this where, where is this from? Is this from a Daily Caller? They have a lot of good stuff, Daily Caller. Mm-hmm. From Scolio, I bet you, you didn't hear about that one, eh? Scoliosexual? Are you a scoliosexual? You don't know? That's right, you can never tell. To gray gender, we've defined the most vexing of San Francisco's 130 gender options. So my friends, at what point are you permitted? No, no. Permitted is not the right word. Are you morally obligated to mock the left? To understand that it is a world of intellectual and moral chaos and that is all it is. 
Boy, I remember when I reported that Facebook had 56 gender options. Now San Francisco has 130. San Francisco's guaranteed income for transgender people gives applicants 130 gender, sexual orientation, and pronoun options to identify as. Well, one of the, I can't read this one. Individuals can select gender F, you fill in the F word, boy, B-O-I, sister girls, butch. The list, the lists merely pander to the community of people who identify under the transgender umbrella. A person might apply under one identity label and declare a different one by the time the application is processed. That's a good point. That was stated by Mary Hassan, a fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. So let's see some of these terms here that you can now qualify as to get a guaranteed income from San Francisco. The gender identity, well, let's see, we got here. Well, I can't, I can't read to you some of the names. So I'll do the cleaner ones. The gender identity sister girl coincides with brother boy, two terms used by indigenous Australians to describe transgender individuals. The Trans Hub, a resource platform for the transgender community, stated sister girl is defined as, quote, a gender diverse people that have a female spirit and take on female roles within the community. And Brother Boy is defined as a gender-diverse people that have a male spirit and take on male roles within the community. The nerve you have of asking that question, you're like the kid who yells the, the emperor is naked. My producer looks at me and says, did you say what the hell does that mean or what does that mean? Which did you say? You did? You did do the, the H word? Is that... Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. That's the point. It doesn't mean anything. Men give birth doesn't mean anything. The term boy is for queer people of color, that's B-O-I, is for queer people of color usually describing, quote, queer, queer women who present with masculinity. You know what that means? Okay. According to the Trans Student Educational Resources, you realize that everybody involved in this is a college graduate. I, I do not exaggerate. I, I am as opposed to my exaggerating as I am to, God forbid, ever lying to you. And when I say college makes you stupid... It is not an exaggeration. Of course, there are exceptions. The most obvious exception are kids who were drunk for four years. Can you, you realize what a trap that is? What is a trap? The B-O-I. B-O-I? Yeah. Why is it a trap? Because if you said to somebody... Oh, if you said you were a boy, if you said, well, if you said it to a black man. Yeah. Oh, you, and by the way, it is, it is racist. I agree. Calling a man a, man a boy is, is, is uh, disgusting when it's meant, obviously, to demean him. 
Butch is an identity related to masculinity, and while it is, quote, a distinct gender identity and or expression, the term does not necessarily imply that one also identifies as a woman or not. Applicants for GIFT, GIFT is this uh, program, it's for the guaranteed income for transgenders, that's what it, that, that's what it stands for, GIFT. Applicants for GIFT can also identify as gray gender, a person who feels as if they have a gender but are only mildly interested in expressing it. You know, sad to say, I would say that a lot of of uh, young men and women at college are people who would qualify for this term. Mild, only mildly interested in expressing their gender. Remember the song, was it Flower Drum Song, the famous musical that had the song? I don't know if it was. I, I think it, but I may be wrong. I Enjoy Being a Girl. Sean, find the song, Will You I Enjoy Being a Girl, and tell me what year it was written and what musical it's from. Also, tell me what theater it debuted in, what was the date of the debut, who uh, produced it, who directed it, how many people attended the first presentation of the musical. Can you do that, Sean? Yeah. (laughs) That was a good response. By the way, folks, yesterday was a major day in all our lives. It was Sean's birthday. He, he turned 14. He's very mature for his age. <laughs> Happy birthday, Sean, from all of us to M-double-C-O-double-N-E-double-L, Rosenthal. Happy birthday. Oh, here we go. Happy birthday. Tears and sorrow in the air. People dying everywhere. Happy birthday. That is cheerful. Happy birthday. All right, so uh, enough with that. 1958, was it Flower Drum Song? Is that correct? Yeah. 1958, Rodgers and Hammerstein. You got the song? Uh, We're going to a break. I want you to hear the inconceivability of singing this song. It would be... Laughed at and derided on any campus in the United States, especially in the the words about what she enjoys about being a girl. So, if gray gender is people who feel as if they have a gender, but are only mildly interested in expressing it, that's pretty common. I'm a girl, and by me, that's only great. I am proud that my silhouette is curvy, that I walk with a sweet and girlish gait, with my hips kind of swivelly and swervy. I adore being dressed in something frilly. When my date comes to get me at my place, out I go with my Joe or John or Billy. Like a filly who is ready for the race When I have 
So the opposition to this song from 1958 is understandable because she's her the entire enjoyment is is about her cuteness as a female or silhouette, etc. Understood. But you know what? Nobody assumed that that is all a woman is. She was describing herself as different from boys. Boys have brains and girls have brains. So if she said, I enjoy being a girl because I study physics, would, would that be a better and more acceptable song? There was a celebration of the fact that these are parts of me that are girly, and I like it. And what's wrong with that? Much of leftism, of wokeism, leftism, is a fear of reality. A woman author wrote this so long ago, I don't remember who it was, but I can't take credit. She said, what the left is, is a fear of, and then she wrote it in French, les faits de la vie, the facts of life. That's exactly right. Did you happen to see the Washington Post piece recently published about the the problems for young women in society that apparently the sexual revolution has really backfired? So the, the gist of the article was, well, we've made a lot of progress because we even went from no is no to yes is yes. No is no is not enough. You have to do yes is yes. But she said, even when there is consent, there is so much hurt often in a sexual, after a sexual encounter uh, of young women today, because the guy has no interest in her other than in sex, and that becomes apparent the next day, or at least the next week. There is no acknowledgement on the left that life has inherent pain. That's really a part, there are so many parts of the sickness of the left, and this is part of it. Life has inherent pain, and it's very, very difficult to get a handle perfectly on sex. Sex is so strong, so powerful, that... And, and causes so much confusion and hurt. How many lives is, has sex destroyed? How many men have destroyed their own lives because of their sexual urge? And the, the hurt that is around it. Of course, religious people have traditionally said, wait till you're married to have sex. But that was, of course, dismissed, as everything religious is, as as a prescription for fools. I'm going to wait, wait till till marriage for sex. My father, who was extremely open about sexual matters, and I inherited that trait from him, would often note to my brother and me, my older brother and myself, that they dated for four years. By the way, they ended up together 73 years. Married 69. And it was a 69-year love affair. And my father noted that being a religious Jew, though not ultra-Orthodox, just what what would be 
call today modern Orthodox. He knew that they would marry, but they, they didn't marry for four years. They didn't have intercourse. They saved that for marriage, but they did other things. And my mother was not hurt by my father. She, she loved him and knew that they would marry, and they didn't follow uh, traditional Orthodox law perfectly, which would have said you can't even touch before marriage. I think that that compromise is workable for people. In any event, my point is that the religious have answers. You may not like the answers, but you don't like the problem either. What's the solution? Well, if the guy is decent and he says, look, I, I, I just want you to know I have no intention of having any relationship beyond a sexual one with you, if you're still open to that, let's get together Saturday night. Maybe he should say that, by the way. The left wants a, a world that is painless. That's why they have safe spaces. A conservative comes to campus and it causes you pain because you, there are ideas that you have never encountered before being stated by someone with conviction and perhaps even eloquence. So there's a safe space. You should see the movie I made with Adam Carolla called No Safe Spaces. It is really a terrific movie, and I don't take credit for it even though I'm in it. It's just a terrific movie. Yes, no safe spaces in life. It doesn't exist. You want a safe space? Well, you can hide from life. And some people did, including some religious people. I know it's, it sounds funny to some people that my pleasure listening now to a book, the book is Medieval Christianity. <laughs> I'm loving it. I told you. It's a very long book. I've learned an immense amount. And, you know, people did want their safe space. The, the, uh, it was a very prominent movement going into monasteries and going into nunneries in, in medieval Christianity, leaving the world. The left wants to leave the world, or it wants to change the world. I guess the difference is the, the monks and nuns wanted to leave the world. The left wants the world to be reshaped so that they, they can stay in it. That's the difference. It's a big difference. There's good news out of China. Some really heroic Chinese, because they know they're going to be in trouble. They, they, may, they may be killed. They, they certainly may be incarcerated and not see their families for the foreseeable future while in a horrible Chinese prison demonstrating against the lockdowns. You can see it now, right now, on the video of my show. Salem News Channel, is that correct? Yeah, I got it right. I'll talk to you about that when we return. Hi, everybody. 
everybody. Dennis Prager here. To have demonstrations in China is really something. It's a totalitarian state. And they can identify all of you with face recognition. These people are in trouble. You could see the video of it at the Salem News Channel because my show is videoed as well as audioed. Wall Street Journal, China's revolt against zero COVID. China's Communist Party runs the world's most extensive surveillance and police state. The left in America would like to catch up, by the way. Again, I don't exaggerate. There's no doubt in my mind that the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, would like to emulate China in having extensive surveillance and a police state. There's no doubt in my mind. That is their aim. They can't do it yet, but they're on their way. So any public protest against its policies takes courage and runs great personal risk. That's all the more reason to recognize the widespread demonstrations that broke out this weekend against the Chinese government's draconian zero-COVID restrictions. They reveal the public's deep frustration after three years of the world's most restrictive COVID policies that have shut down entire cities for weeks and months on government orders without public debate or recourse. Hey! <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a country we know better than China? Let me repeat that line. COVID policies, restrictive COVID policies that have shut down entire cities for weeks and months on government orders without public debate. Wow. That didn't happen in America, did it? Or Australia. Or New Zealand. Or Canada. Nah. The protests spread quickly throughout China as young people in particular went to the streets. Some held blank sheets of paper, which has become a symbolic protest against the restrictions on speaking against the COVID coercion and other abuses. Video from Shanghai even showed Chinese shouting, Xi Jinping, step down, referring to the head of the Communist Party, who was recently appointed for a third term as Chinese president. Even saying those words aloud could land them in prison. Well, saying in the United States that hydroxychloroquine and zinc might be good in early states, uh, early state of COVID, stage of COVID, could land you, if not in prison, it uh, get your license removed as as to practice medicine in California as of January first. Oh, we're emulating the Chinese. The left is the left. There's not much difference between the left Chinese and the left Americans. There's a difference between left Chinese and liberal Americans, but liberal Americans don't know that because they vote for the left. But the lockdowns have not been able to control COVID, only delay its spread. Nearly three years of lockdowns mean the Chinese public, this is a critical line, Nearly three years of lockdowns mean the Chinese public has far less natural immunity. That's one of the reasons kids are getting this respiratory disease. Their immune system was so unused, was so weakened by masks and by, by lockdowns that they are now far more likely to get illness. 
to get any viral illness. That's right. You need antibodies, my friends. Mr. Xi and the party will be ruthless in putting down protests if they continue. Police broke up peaceful demonstrations in Shanghai and other cities on Saturday and Sunday, and videos recorded on iPhones show arrests being made. The party's security apparatus will use its monitoring ability and facial recognition to identify the participants, and many, if not all, of the demonstrators will be arrested in the days ahead. Many, this is a frightening line, many will simply disappear. Hello there all, Dennis Prager here. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving weekend. Celebrate Thanksgiving while it's still around. And isn't uh, obliterated like Columbus Day has been. And for the same reasons. And you know I'm not kidding and I'm not exaggerating. The country is on a suicide course. Really, no, I take that back. It's on a homicide course. The left is are the are the killers. But the left can do it thanks to liberals who don't agree with the left but vote for them. The liberal is the enigma, not the left. Very, very important piece. We're putting it up at DennisPrager.com by a black professor of economics at Harvard University, Roland Fryer. My grandmother, no doubt based in part on her experiences, saw racism everywhere, in every inequity, every statistic. Racial differences in wages, racism. Racial differences in educational achievement, racism. Racial differences in teen birth rates, racism. This sort of casual empiricism, which has crept back into mainstream media and other institutions, was a competitive sport among my family and friends. Did you see the way that white woman tightened her grip on her purse because I was behind her? Does this guy follow everyone around the store? In graduate school, I read a 1995 paper titled, hey, he got it right, not entitled, All right. I salute him. The role of pre-market factors in black-white wage difference. Using a nationally representative sample of more than 12,000 14 to 17-year-olds from 1979, Derek A. Neal and William R. Johnson estimated that blacks earned between 35 to 45% less than whites on average. Okay, that was 1995 paper, but using a sample from 79. They examined how much of the wage gap could be attributed to present-day discrimination. And... In the workplace, not and, in the workplace versus differences in skill, 
as measured by the Armed Forces Qualification Test, the cousin of the, of the ACT and SAT. Okay, get it? They examine how much of the wage gap was due to racism and how much skills. We find they wrote in the abstract of their paper, quote, that this one test score explains all of the black-white wage gap for young women and much of the gap for young men. All right, so that's the paper he read in graduate school from 1995, and it was a conclusion that it was skill set, not, not racial discrimination, that explained most of the wage or all of the wage gap. The paper felt like an attack on what I knew, an assault on all those conversations with my grandmother, which taught me that racism, present tense racism, dictated black-white inequality. I told myself that Messieurs Neal and Johnson, both of whom were white, were probably bigots, and I set out on a mission to disprove their work. This is a fascinating story. Get it? This black graduate student is going to prove his grandmother was right and these white professors were wrong. And that's what he set out to do as one getting his doctorate in economics. Well, what did he find? Messieurs Neal and Johnson, as it turns out, aren't bigots. And their conclusions have stood the test of time and my attempts to disprove them. I extended their analysis to unemployment, teen pregnancy, incarceration, and other outcomes, all of which follow the same pattern. Moreover, the relationship between skills and wages has been confirmed by study after study, and he links people to them in the article, even when using different data and methods. Kevin Lang, an economist at Boston University, corrects important issues in Messrs. Niels and Johnson's work, but finds the same relationship between the test scores and wages. Taken together, an honest review of the evidence suggests that current racial inequities are more a result of differences in skill than differences in treatment of those with the same skill. I am keenly aware of the harm in underestimating bias, but there is also a cost to overemphasizing its impact. A black kid who believes he will face daunting societal obstacles is likely to underinvest in trying to climb society's rungs. Whoa. I've been saying that all of my 40 years in broadcasting. A black kid who believes he will face daunting societal obstacles is likely to underinvest in trying to climb society's rungs. In other words, the lie told by people like, uh, what's, uh, what's the black uh, columnist at the New York Times that I always cite? Charles, Charles M. Blow, yeah who told his son that whites are out to get him. He wrote it in his piece. He's about as angry. I don't know who's angrier, Paul Krugman or Charles Blow. It's a, that's very tough. 
That's like, you know, who's the most tattooed player in the NBA? I mean, these are very tough questions to answer. So, lying to black kids that whites have it in for them and America is a racist place, all it does is hurt black kids. That's all it does. It makes them angry. It makes them work less hard. That's a bad combination. Well, they got it in for me anyway. It's like the black guy who just murdered uh, five people at the, was it Target? No, Walmart. Walmart. I get them mixed up all the time because I don't shop it either. <laughs> anyway, uh, he, he, uh, he held that he had been apparently racially harassed by fellow employees, so they deserved to die. That's an angry man. Then he writes, Every black student in the country needs to know that his return on investment in education is, if anything, higher than for white students. That's right. Given all the affirmative action in corporations, Hollywood, Companies, well, it's the same as corporations, and schools. You you work hard as a white, you work hard as a black, you'll get more rewarded in those, in those conditions as a black. Prejudice must be measured rigorously, statistically. Disparity doesn't necessarily imply racism. It may feel omnipresent, but it isn't all-powerful. Skills matter most. Roland Fryer, professor of economics, Harvard, fellow at the Manhattan Institute. That's correct. We're putting the article up. The entire world of the left is built on lies. One of them, that America is systemically racist. The left is systemically racist. To the extent that it controls institutions, they are. But America is not. But if you tell that to black kids enough, all you will do is make ingrates. And ingrates are all unhappy and all angry. As I have said in any event, it's true for white students too. In America, you get a BA in ingratitude, a master's in ingratitude, and a PhD in ingratitude. I have a special chapter on the ingrate in my book on happiness. It's not pleasant reading. Return in a moment. I'm Dennis Prager. The Dennis Prager Show. I'm feeling this way. All right, y'all. 1 8 Prager 776. I uh, reported to you in the first hour about the Stanford University band during halftime Saturday night, a game against BYU, the Mormon University, and they, they mocked Mormon prayers of marriage with two women marrying each other and taking oaths that Mormons take. And 
That's what they learned at Stanford, basically. Mock anything that smacks of a Bible-based religion in the United States. In other words, if it's Christian in any incarnation, I'm not getting into the debate about Mormon theology. It's not, not a, I don't, I never debate theology, ever, just for the record. I debate behavior. I debate values, but I don't debate theology. It's, uh, it's so infuriating that I, I'm at a loss for words. The descent of Stanford into the moral and intellectual wasteland of almost every university is just sad. These people live in a cocoon. They don't realize that half this country doesn't give a damn if you went to Stanford. In fact, it's worse. If I, if I meet a Stanford graduate, I graduated in the last, let's say, 20 years. I assume he's a fool. If you teach at Stanford, I assume you're a fool. Not in, the, not in STEM yet. Science, technology, engineering, math, or maybe business school. I know that there are non-fools there. I just, I have to make an assumption. I don't assume that my Uber driver is a fool. He might be, he might not be. I assume that if you teach in the humanities at Stanford, you're a fool. And dishonest. It's a bad combination. And uh, I, just for the record, at least half the country makes the same assumption. Of course, you think we're fools. Okay, that's fine. But we don't say men men give birth. We don't say that America was founded in 1619. You do. Dangerous trend. Young people reject free speech. It was actually a, an ambivalent article. I, I read the article in the Telegraph. It was... Uh, it's the usual line. They, This is not the ambivalence that I'm referring to, but young people say, oh, we're for free speech, but not for hate speech, which gives you an idea of how propagandized they are, that they don't understand that that's a meaningless statement. If you're not for free speech, for hate speech, you're not for free speech. It's definitional. It's like saying, oh, I am for all artistic expressions except ones I don't like. Okay, then you're not for all artistic expressions. That, that's, that's as simple as that. <sighs> yep. Oh, this is good. I didn't, um, I didn't see this one you sent. I'm, I'm very curious. Japan's skin-deep university pageants. The context, the New York, this is a very big deal to me because it's revealing about what has been, what has been going on about sex and women, etc. So the New York Times doesn't like the fact that, what, Japanese universities have beauty contests? Ooh. Beauty over brains. Like you're telling me they value brains at, at American universities? 
They value sheep, but not brains. Beauty over brains. Japan's skin-deep university pageants. The contests reflect a culture that often judges women by their appearance and slots them into rigid gender-defined roles. Yes, this they hate this. By the way, Israel, which in some ways has a very powerful woke component, has now, is it the first country to opt out of the Miss Universe contest? There is no more Miss Israel. Did you see that? Yeah, take a look. Yeah. yeah. Very upsetting. Very, very upsetting. Of course, the, like like the, at the Miss America pageant where there's no, as of, I don't know, four years ago, is it? There's no more uh, swimsuit competition. The, the, the left believes that women competing on beauty is demeaning to women. Why? I never got an answer to that question. This is what the New York Times believes, of course. The very notion that women would compete on beauty is so uh, is so anathema to these people. But I don't understand why. Is beauty not part, or a female beauty not a, a, a part of life? I don't understand. Is there ever a statement, it's the only thing that matters? Whoever said that? I'll, I'll, I'll bet you. that the vast majority of heterosexual men working at the New York Times would be thrilled to date Miss Idaho. Okay? They, they live, the left lives in such a non-self-awareness universe. They're, they're, they're so out of it. They're so in denial of, of their own reality. Yeah, I have uh, I have two women, a brilliant woman and Miss Idaho. Who would you like to go on a date with? And we're not telling you if Miss Idaho, Miss Idaho may be brilliant, but we don't we we're not telling you. Back in a moment. The Dennis Prager show. Hi everyone. When I saw these demonstrators in China, knowing that there's facial recognition used by the government, and that the the odds are that they will be hurt, maybe even disappeared, it just re-emphasizes for me the insight that all good is done by outliers. That's the way it's worked in history. I salute these people. I salute the Iranian football team, the soccer team. Sort of the opposite of the American soccer team with its coach who wears a t-shirt is at the World Cup, which I follow every four years, actually. And the American coach is wearing a black T-shirt, which just says States. 
the wokeness of the Western countries at the at the World Cup is astonishing. Virtually every European team has demanded that they be allowed to wear LGBT bands while playing. The the arrogance of left wing support it is is an arrogance that is indescribable in its depth. My cause is what matters. I am right, you are wrong, and of course we all think that. I I think that when I'm right. But I would never, if I were a professional athlete, I would never demand that my cause be on my uniform or my body because I would think that it's not right just because I have the talent, the gift to play soccer or baseball or, or whatever, I can't use that to publicize my cause. I don't care what the cause is, even if it's breast cancer. And for the record, I'm against breast cancer. I've thought about it, and I've, I've come out against it. I don't, I don't like breast cancer. There is no cause that I believe people should be wearing armbands uh, when they play uh, for that cause, when they play a, a sport. Your obligation is to enable us to escape all of these causes and just enter the world of sport. But of course, there is no arrogance quite as much as in the LGBTQ leadership. Gays run the gamut of opinions like straights do, but the leadership, they they are filled with hate, filled with deceit, and arrogant beyond words. We have all moral truth, and you are scum if you differ with us. If you simply think that a biological male should not be allowed to compete in women's sports, you are scum. You are a hate-filled, awful human being who must be shut down. That is the belief of the LGBTQ activist groups. Yeah. So you want to protect your daughter and her chances of getting a sports scholarship in high school? Screw you, man. All that we want is all you will be allowed to have and express. And, of course, high schools go along with this. Colleges go along with the University of Pennsylvania. Swim team went along with it, which I'm not surprised. University of Pennsylvania is a wasteland. University of Pennsylvania has become a farce. I was first alerted to it when when the Department of English took down the Shakespeare mural because he's a dead white European male. Why would the English department celebrate Shakespeare? He was only the greatest writer of English who ever lived. (laughs) So what? But he was white, probably straight, male, unworthy of being celebrated by the University of Pennsylvania English department. Yeah. 
So the American coach wears states. By the way, he's right. In fact, it is not the United States. California and Florida have nothing in common. Zero. I just did a major talk for the Daily Wire. Two major talks. 40 differences between left and right. I'll let you know when it's out. 40. Lost until I saw you, Halo. Hello, y'all. It's great to be with you. Despite all the uh, lousy news. <laughs> Just have to live with it and fight. That's the key thing. Yeah, I was talking about the uh, New York Times really uh, annoyed with Japan because the university is a beauty contest for women. I'm surprised they're not against athletics. I mean, that's that's a... It's all physical ability. It's not not brains. It doesn't celebrate brain sports. Why, why, why are they pro sports? Anyway, what's what is wrong with celebrating female beauty? You know, you don't have to. I mean, Israel has pulled out of the Miss Universe contest. The American uh, uh, Americans have pulled out the swimsuit competition. You can sexualize five year olds, but uh, but anything smacking of sexuality of an adult, especially heterosexual adult, this is offensive to the left. It really blew my mind. The, 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 the folks who say that women can do what they, what they want with their own bodies, but, but they can't. They told all the women uh, in the Miss America contest, you cannot participate in a swimsuit competition. Had there been a vote, what do you think the contestants would have voted? To end the swimsuit competition? I doubt it. They were never asked. Anyway, the whole thing, a woman could do what she wants with her own body is a lie because even in the abortion issue, it's not her body, it's in her body. So the whole thing is a lie anyway. But they get away with it because the media is left and lies on their behalf. So you don't have questions like I am posing here now. But it's really a shame. The the amount of good we had we have a video up of Miss Iraq. What the good that was done when Miss Iraq and Miss Israel became friendly and Miss Iraq became a major world spokeswoman on behalf of Arab Israeli friendship. Can't happen now because the Israelis decided Whoever the woke people at the Miss Israel contest was, I'm going to write an article for the Jerusalem Post. I'll bet you it'll tick them off. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I just can't. I, I really have to devote a, a moment to do that because they they publish whatever I send them. Maybe they won't even publish this. Will be very interesting. And, uh, you know, of course, Orthodox Jews might, might support it because they believe that women should be modestly dressed. I understand that. By the way, I had, just for, the, for that sake, some of you may recall, regular, true, devoted listeners may recall this. A few years ago, I had on the show a former cheerleader, I think the Atlanta Falcons, was that right? Yeah, the Atlanta Falcons. She was an Atlanta Falcons cheerleader. And I, I put out a call to because there was the, this massive New York Times-led 
attack on cheerleaders because they're, they're just sex objects. So let's hear from cheerleaders themselves. So at least one responded, and I, since she was local in L.A., I invited her on the show. And in comes in a woman, middle-aged, good-looking woman, and, and very modestly dressed. And I commented on it, and she said, oh, I'm an Orthodox Jew now. She had converted to Judaism. By the way, it's a perfect example. Is an Orthodox Jew who was only too happy to date a cheerleader. <laughs> who married, converted to Orthodox Judaism. And she said, I said, well, how do you look at it now, now that you have all these laws about modesty in dress compared to how you were dressed as a cheerleader? And she said, I only have wonderful memories of my time as a cheerleader. It was one of the great experiences of my life. And she's speaking even as an Orthodox Jew. I don't think most Orthodox Jews would have a trouble with her acknowledging that fact. It is is a fear. That's what it is. It's deep, deep fear. Women should be seen at any time by males in a sexual way outside of the bedroom. They want to keep adults innocent and they want to prematurely rob children of innocence. That's how sick the left is. Yeah, what's so, what's so bad about it? It's part of life. Female beauty, like peacocks, it's male beauty, is a big deal. What's wrong with it? What's wrong with celebrating it? How many people in their right mind think, oh, she doesn't have a brain? No, if I hear you're a professor of gender studies, I assume you don't have a brain. If I know you're Miss Iraq, I assume you do have a brain. Who do you think is wiser? The average Miss America contest or the average female professor of gender studies or women's studies? Wiser. Okay? Not more brain matter. Wiser. Uh, it's not even it's not even a contest, as they would say. Hey, by the way, I have, as Christmas comes every year, I make a Christmas appeal, and I would like to make it uh, making it this year as I did last year for the Angel Tree campaign. There's an Angel Tree banner at my website. During this break now, please go and donate. There are more than a million kids with parents in a prison. And they bring them a Christmas gift, and they bring them religious texts, biblical texts. They try to bring God and a gift into their lives. Why wouldn't you support that? $125 blesses, as they say, five children, 25 one. It's a major impact for the entire family, by the way, of a prisoner. So go right now, if you would, to the Angel Tree campaign or or. Call 888-206-2801, 888-206-2801, or go to DennisPrager.com and click on the Angel Tree banner. Please. Open for the arms of Get to you realize it is the final segment of the show already? Do you understand that? Talk about time flying. Let's see how many calls I can get in here. Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mike, hello. 
Yeah, I think the U.S. soccer team should either forfeit or boycott that game tomorrow because uh, of uh, extenuating circumstances. What do you believe? Well, that's not what you called in about. You called in about the Garden of Eden, so you have to talk to me about what you tell the screener because I take it based on on the uh, on what I read here. So I know you had no ill intentions, but I do have to make that rule. All right, Sarasota, Florida, and Fred, hello. Dennis? Yeah. Uh, this is Fred in Sarasota. I know. Uh, you you mentioned before that the left is, is based on lies. You forgot hate. There's an article in USA Today Sports about the New, New York Jets uh, benching their quarterback, who's a second-year player from BYU. And there were a lot of comments on, on Twitter about this. And the hate, the hate about this kid, this 22-year-old 20, kid is off the charts. People were all, all over him. Why? Well, I, I don't know. He's, he's, he's supposed to be a savior for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, but why, a, why? I don't understand. What are they saying against him? Uh, they're making all wise cracks about him, putting on sexual pictures of girls and, and different things. He, like I, I said, he, he, he's from BYU. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's related. It's interesting. You know, I'll end I'll end this uh, the show today with this thought. the The human urge for meaning is, as I've said, all of my adult life that I learned this from Viktor Frankl. It's not new to me. People yearn for meaning more than they yearn for anything else except food and shelter. Even more than for sex. Mean, meaning is, is the most, is the deepest yearning the human has. Many people fill it uh, with hatred of a group. It just, isn't that odd that it just occurred to me now that it gives a lot of people meaning? It does. That's how I began the show. Well, I began the second hour with that. Well, I began the first, actually, it was in the first hour. About this Holocaust denier that Kanye West brought to President Trump. I truly do believe, I, I know it's a, it, it's a cliche, but I believe it literally, that the hottest place in hell is reserved for people like this Fuentes and the denial of Holocaust. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com.